Well, I'm glad to be joining in on a series called The Race uh, with a special focus on Hebrews chapters 12 and 13, where we're talking about how we should run our race of faith as we pursue Jesus Christ. And today I want to read a few passages with you and pray. Is that all right? Y'all ready? All right. Um, The verses that I'll read to you are found in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 25 through 29, if you could turn there. Um, I'll be reading from the NIV version of the Bible. And it reads, See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. They did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. How much less will we? If we turn away from him who warns us from heaven, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. God, as we are consumed with problems in the world, or consumed with our personal problems in our lives, I ask that you remind us today that you're a consuming fire and that your kingdom will not be shaken. Lord, give us gratitude and joy and thankfulness for the words that you've spoken and declared over our lives. Grant us the strength to run this race with that same thankfulness and gratitude and joy on our spiritual journeys. It is in Jesus' name We pray and ask it all. Amen. Well, this past Thursday, if you're not a social media uh, person, this Thursdays are throwback Thursday. And I stumbled across a throwback picture of me and my kids. There's me and my kids. Uh, Check it out. Um, Don't tell them I showed this picture. Uh, But this picture was taken uh, when about six years ago. And my son was about two years old, and my daughter uh, was about four years old. Uh, and this, this is an updated picture. I, I have to give you an updated picture. Uh, this is me and my kids acting silly somewhere in downtown. Uh, but as I looked at that picture, it reminded me of a time when my kids were a little younger, and we used to play this game while we were riding in the car. And if you have kids, I'm pretty sure you've played this game. All you need are parents, a car, and a long car ride. You played this game. It's the pointer game that kids play. Um, here, here's how it goes. We're riding in the car. My kids still do this. And all of a sudden, our kids will start pointing out things that we know that are, it's already there. Let, let, oh, you know, okay. Dad, airplane. <laughs> There's an airplane. Uh, Dad, uh, look, there's a red car. Dad, uh, blue car. Dad, there's a store. 
Oh, dad, look, flowers. Dad, look, I drew a picture. Look, look at the picture I drew. I'm driving. Look at the picture. Uh, dad, look, there's a dog. Uh, mom, look, look at that house. Look at the house. It has a backyard. Uh, dad, look, dirt. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, dad, it's, it's a park. Dad, look, uh, there's a bird. Dad, look, look, dad, look, look, dad, dad, look, look. And <laughs> the one thing that I've learned uh, from my children is it doesn't matter where they are, what's going on, or what may be about to happen. Uh, it's something amazing about children because they are in this constant state of gratitude and awe. But isn't it funny how children can find the simplest things to rejoice over? And it's almost hard to find things to rejoice over as an adult when you've been running your race and for a while. And children are naturally grateful because uh, they don't care about routines. They don't care about choices. They don't care about hardships. They don't care about results. They don't care about preferences or agendas. It's all about admiring life's greatest joys. Children naturally find things to rejoice over because they're in a constant state of awe. And just the other week, my kids did it again. Dad, dad, look. House. Dad, dad, look. I know where we are. Look, look. I know that street. Dad, look, look. And when I was reading this passage and listening to my kids, God uh, convicted me and, and he, he challenged me uh, because uh, this verse spoke to me when it says that as we run the race of faith, uh, it's so easy as believers to be consumed by every single thing that this world throws at us except the consuming fire of God. So you know what I did? I came up with my, my own pointer list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier this week, I, I carved out two hours and man, I just said, man, I'm going to write down every little thing that I have an opportunity to be grateful to God about. And I'm not talking about the things that we're grateful for, the big blessings that we can point to that everybody can see and we can show them off and say, ooh, ooh look at what God has done for me. I'm talking about the smallest of things. And I just took two hours just last week to do this and I came up with a great List and it goes like, woke up before my alarm clock goes off. Man, I'm grateful to God that I woke up. My alarm clock goes off on my cell phone. I'm grateful to God that I have an alarm clock and a cell phone. I breathe today. God, thank you. I'm grateful that I have breath in my body. I turned off my alarm clock. I was able to do that. I got out of my bed. God, thank you. I'm grateful that I have mobility. I stretch. I cut on some worship music. Man, I have a choice, God. I thank you that I have a choice in this country where I could worship you freely. And this country allows me to do that. God, thank you. I'm grateful that, for that. I prayed. I can pray to God. I'm grateful that I can pray because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He became our high priest, and I'm grateful for that. I read my scriptures. Thank God for church history where the reformers got the scriptures into the hands of the people. God, I'm grateful that I have access to your word. I'm grateful that I got a chance to brush my teeth. I told my wife and kids that I loved them. This morning, I'm grateful that I have wife, a wife and kids. I walked into the ch- kitchen. God, 
I'm grateful that I have a kitchen. I have a refrigerator where I can go into it at midnight and get those goodies and snacks. God, I'm grateful that I have something to eat and drink. God, I'm grateful that I have running water. I talked to my kids that morning, and then I asked my wife a question, and oh, did I ask her a question? God, thank you for giving me the breath in my body to ask my wife a question. And I say, see, who's taking the kids to school this morning? And she says, you. And then I said, I'm grateful to take my kids to school because I got them ready. And then I got into a car. God, thank you. I'm grateful that I have a car. God, I'm thankful that I have gas in my car. God, I'm thankful that when I turned the ignition switch, the car turned on. God, I'm grateful that I was able to drive the car. I made it to my kid's school. I looked at my son and daughter and I said, I love you guys. God, I'm thankful that I have a breath and life in my body where I'm still able to tell my kids that I love them. God, I'm thankful that we as West Ridge Church get a chance to come into a building. We have lights, we have microphones, we have a worship band. We have a chance to come together and worship Jesus Christ together. Let's thank Jesus for what he's doing and we need to be grateful. I'm grateful I drove to the office. God, thank you for providing for our ministry where we have an office. I turned on the light. God, thank you for the providing resources where we have power. I spoke to a friend. God, thank you for friends. I served families who were in need. God, thank you for the resources that we have to be able to serve people who are living on the margins of society. And I began to thank God about every little thing and what he had done for me, not because everything was going my way or because I was good enough, but because I was a child of God and I don't have to worry about God's wrath and judgment because of what Jesus has done on the cross for me. And that's the good news I began to rejoice over because I can be grateful as long as I think about the goodness of God because thankfulness can turn into thankfulness. This is what I mean. Thankfulness can turn into thankfulness. When I think about the mercies of God that have hit my life, I can begin to thank God for what he's done for me and thankfulness turns into gratitude and gratefulness. When I think upon what God done for me through Jesus Christ on the cross and all my sins have been washed away, I can thank God and say, God, I'm thankful for what you've done through Jesus because I'm grateful that you've given me a life through Christ. Man, the Bible is clear when it encourages us to be thankful in Psalm 104, when it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. However, as we're talking about gratitude and running this race with gratitude, I'm, many, I'm pretty sure some of you in here that will say, Terrence, <laughs> okay, 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 I get it. It's okay uh, to be grateful, but things haven't been going my way. You see, you're a little younger, Terrence. You're a little younger. And I've been running this race a little, little young, longer than you. And I've been consumed, not with the goodness of God, but by life's challenges. And instead of having a gratefulness, many of you today would probably present me with a hardship list. You know, you'll say, Terrence, man, where, where was God when I was running this race and the hardship happened? 
Or Terrence, how, how do I maintain this gratitude towards heaven when all the hardships have been hitting my life? And you'll probably say, what about this list? I have an illness I haven't been able to overcome. And the doctors can't do nothing but give me medication. Or what about this, Terrence? Uh, I have a child that has rebelled and they were doing good, but now they've strayed again. What about this? I, I just got a divorce. And for some of you, you'll probably say, I just got a divorce again. Or what about Terrence, Terrence? I haven't found community yet. Even though I'm around the crowd, I still feel all alone. Or what about, I've had one more setback, or I've given more to others and I've actually received, and I'm actually in a a dark place and I can't see any hope. And if we're honest, it's it's hard to remember what it means to be grateful when hardship occurs. But let me tell you, uh, because hardship, hardship can actually be used of the enemy to make you forget what God, that God is with you, that God is for you, and that that God has never left your side. And hardships come in many forms, but three that I want to highlight is hardships come when it's just totally unexpected. You know these things. Uh, well, things just happen out of the blue. This is where when life just shocks you out of nowhere and, and, and you are just like, you, you just feel overwhelmed with what is going on. And, and if we're not careful, it could paralyze our faith as we run this race. And the enemy can actually use it uh, where we fall into this state of just wanting to blame God. God, this is your fault. God, this is how could you allow this to happen? Because all this unexpected stuff has happened to me. Let me tell you, family, I, I know all too well the devastating blows of unexpected hardship. It was December 20th, this past December, 2018, around 8 a.m. in the morning, five days before Christmas. I received a heart-dropping phone call from my dad. I don't know if she's still breathing. I just called the ambulance, he says. What do you, what do you, what do you mean? I responded. He was speaking about his wife, and I'll never forget pulling up um, to his home and seeing the ambulance and the police officers outside of his home, and my my nerves were on edge, and I don't think me or my father were just, uh, we were prepared for this hardship, and and it was true. His wife had passed five days before Christmas. It's been a hard journey, and I speak to him almost every day because I've been walking with him through it. And I'm I'm just admiring his faith as we discuss the scriptures and him going to church and him leaning on his face. I, I asked him, I said, Dad, like, what is keeping you grounded? And this is what he responded to me on the phone just yesterday verbatim. He says, there are some people that don't even thank the Lord for waking them up. I'm grateful God woke me up today. Today, I'm I'm just thankful the Lord woke me up. You have to give God glory through every, every single thing. I like to speak to the Lord and just say thank you for everything. Every single thing. He says, there's a lot of people who get upset at the Lord. 
because they don't get what they want. But you have, a, have to be a believer and trust in the God who's in control of everything. Let me ask you, have you been trusting God when the unexpected happens? How's your heart's posture been when you've hit with life's blows? Are you still able to find the goodness that may still be present even when you're dealing with unexpected circumstances? And then there's the consequential hardships. You know, these are the types of hardships when we experience because of our own personal sin or, or we've ha- made a wrong decision and we've all fallen short and made wrong decisions and on our journey and in our race. And it's, it's very easy to fall into a place where we just beat ourselves up because maybe you made a bad decision and we are experiencing the hardship from it. But I love what Corey Tim Boom says. She says this, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not still deeper. There's no pit so deep that God's love is not still deeper. And I love even David's heart after he made a wrong decision in in Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And I love that even when we experience consequential hardships, that we can find rest in the fact that we can't outrun God's grace. That no matter what you've done in your life, that God has pursued you through Jesus Christ's shed blood on the cross. He was, he, he was beaten, he was stripped, he was mocked. He was, he was literally killed and he was buried and he was resurrected so that you could receive the good news of God, be reconciled with your father. What about the hardships that others caused? And you'll probably say, Terrence, <laughs> This, this, this hardship I, I have trouble with because I didn't even do anything. It's because somebody else's sin. It's because somebody else made a poor decision. And now I'm the recipient and having to deal with somebody else's mistake. And if you're not careful, the enemy would love nothing more than you to be in a place where you just cast aside the love your neighbor attitude. He wants you to be in a place where your heart is heartened. And let me ask you this. I have to make this personal. How have you allowed the hardship that may be present on your journey, in this race of your life, to cause you to back away from just being grateful? How? Because you know what? You know what happens when we allow hardship to consume us more than the fire and the goodness of God, we misplace our focus. You know, I'm reminded of our Lord and Savior in Matthew chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, when he was literally led into a wilderness. 
And the enemy knew that he was in the wilderness and that he was hungry because he had gone 40 days and 40 nights without eating. And the first thing the enemy tries to do is attack our Lord's focus. He said, man, why don't you turn these stones into bread? He dared Jesus to turn the stones into bread. But you know what Jesus responds with? Man shall not live off bread alone, but by the very word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If you're in a hardship, the way you maintain focus and gratitude is to stand on the truth of God's word. And I think that's what the Hebraic writer is trying to say when he says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks because it's God's word that will sustain you. It's God's word that will keep you afloat. It's God's word that will cause you to stand strong whenever you're faced with hardship. You need to say to the enemy or your hardship that I'm going to be grateful because I'm living off the very words that proceeds from the mouth of God. What about when we allow the hardship to consume us, we will get distracted from our purpose. (laughs) And that same set of passages in Matthew uh, chapter four, verses one through 10, you see the enemy tempting Jesus, the lamb of God, Emmanuel, God with us. He, he tells Jesus to go up to the pinnacle and just, and just throw yourself down. And isn't it amazing that whenever you find yourself on this journey, on this race of life, when you're experiencing a hardship, the enemy will try to come and tell you to just give up on everything. Find you haven't found anything to be grateful for. You're focused on all these high challenges that you may be experiencing. And the enemy will trail you that there's nothing else to live for. But aren't we glad that the enemy is a liar? God created us for us to receive his love through what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And I love what Jeremiah 31, three says, he says, I have loved you with the everlasting love. Let me tell you, don't get distracted from what the enemy may be trying to do in your life, getting you off track and getting you way away from the purposes of God. You can stand steadfast and remain grateful to a God who has never left you, who has never forsaken you, who's still there for you. I love the Psalm when he says God is a very present help in a time of trouble. And I come to tell you about that God that still loves you, that's still with you, and you have something to be grateful for. Because the enemy can ever get you to break your focus and get you distracted about your purpose in the same set of Passages in Matthew chapter four and verse eleven, he could he could try to disrupt your relationship with God. See, hardships not only seek to to disrupt the relationships around us, but the enemy wants to use that uh, to disrupt your relationship with God. Because in this space, when Jesus is in the wilderness, he's in the hard place, he's in a tight place, the enemy comes to say to him, he says, I'll give you all of these kingdoms if you just bow down and worship me. But I love the fact that Jesus responds and says this. He says, uh, 
it's God alone who I shall worship. And I come here to tell somebody in here, don't turn away in your hardship. Remain grateful because you have to have this posture in your heart that it's God alone that deserves worship. Don't bow down to the enemy's tactics. Don't bow down to the distractions. Don't bow down when the enemy is trying to get you to lose focus. Say focus on what God is doing through you and in you and say it's God alone I should worship. When I'm going through hardship, I'm worshiping God. When my back is against the wall, I'm worshiping God. No devil in hell is going to be able to turn me away or separate me from the love of God. And that's what I want to tell you this morning. Don't separate from the love of God. I think this is what Hebrews writer is trying to tell or communicate to this Jewish Christian audience. Don't, don't, don't turn your back. Hold fast to the word of God and allow you, allow yourself to be consumed with the fire of God from the inside out. And some of you may be saying, Terry, how? How do I remain grateful when I've experienced so much hardship? How right now, Terrence? How? And let me tell you, church, I, I don't have a bunch of list of things, but I have two specific things. You've got to become a counter. What do you mean by a counter? A, a counter is a person who is committing themselves, committed themselves to believing God's word and has committed themselves to be thankful for every single thing. These, these people count uh, the greatest blessings before them because they see God working and moving in every single thing. I love the book of James when James writes, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work where you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. When was the last time you counted? Just said, thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. Thank you, God. God, for putting food on my table. Thank you, God, that I have the ability to go to a church and worship you freely in this country. Thank you, God, that I have income. Even though it's not the income that I want coming in, I still have something. Thank you, God, for my health. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for my friendships. God, I'm grateful that you're still with me, that you never leave nor forsake. God, thank you for being a good God, a gracious God. Thank you for being the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for being my peace. Thank you for being my strong tower. Thank you for being my lily in the valley of a field. Thank you for being my lightning rod. Thank you for being my refuge. Thank you for being my comforter. God, I thank you. How many of you have started counting the blessings that you can be grateful for? You know what happens though? (laughs) Many of us want to count, but we still... We still live with our eyes fixed on the problems on the outside. And we're like, yeah, 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 I'm, yeah, I'm filled, but I'm still empty. And we start trying, but we focus on the hardships and we explode because things are blowing up all around us. 
Or maybe it's you where you, you started out and you said, Terrence, yeah, that's going to be me. I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to count. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to focus on, on, on what God has done, but you don't really focus on, on what God is, has done or is doing. You still have the problem before uh, the bigness of your God, and, and you, just, you just allow life's pressures to rob you of the joy that you, that you have in, in Jesus. Or maybe, maybe it's <laughs> you're the one, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to check off all the things that I'm supposed to do to say I'm a good Christian in church. I'm going to use my, my measuring system of how much I'm worthy to God based upon what I can perform and do. And God is saying, no, no, no. That's not how you find real joy and real peace. And when you do that, when hardship hits your life, you're just almost about to explode. You know, but then there are people who the last thing is just trust God's character. These are the people who believe that they serve God that does not change. and He makes good on all his promises. I mean, the Bible is filled with examples of people that trusted God as they ran their race and still believe God in the midst of hardship and still centered themselves in gratitude towards God. You don't believe me? What about Job? Job was a righteous man. In Job 1 and verse 1, he lived blameless and upright. I mean, Job had it all, man. Like he had a big family. He had tons of land and cattle. And he had no idea that the enemy would end up taking everything but his life. And here's a kicker. God allowed it. He said, have you tested my servant Job? Because God knew Job's heart. What would happen if the hardship hit our life like that? Job's wife even came to him and said, look, look, God is taking everything. Why don't you just curse God and die? And she had this mentality where she would allow everything to just steal away her joy. But you know what Job says? He says, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked shall I return there. The Lord gave the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, what about Paul? The enemy tried to use hardship in the form, form of thorns in his flesh against the apostle Paul. Paul had been shipwrecked. He had been beaten. He had been imprisoned. He had been mocked for the gospel's sake. But in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul says, therefore, I would most rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's the same person that says, whatever is happened to me has happened for the furtherance of the gospel. The same person who was in prison and said, I still count it all lost for the sake of Christ, who is the same person that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because Paul had this view of God where nothing could take his joy 
Or what about Jesus? The enemy tried to use hardship against our Lord, where he's mocked and he was beaten and he was scourged and he was betrayed and he was spat upon, but still found enough strength in his seven last words in John 19 30 to say, It is finished. It is finished. Maybe he said that because he had enough gratitude and belief in the power of God that would resurrect him in the third day. Where Paul says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that quickens our mortal bodies to this day. Let me ask you, Have you paused to tell God, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you've done in my life up to this point. Thank you, God, for what you're currently doing. Have you made your grateful list? Where your grateful list is not predicated on the fact that everything is going right. But it's predicated on the fact that we serve a good God. But you know what, family? I love Jesus because in John chapter 14, verse 26, he says, man, I'm going to go away, but I'm, I'm going to send you a helper, a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor to strengthen you and teach you and be with you that whenever life may be getting a little tight, or upset, if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit indwells you, that he's going to comfort you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to be inside of you. He's going to exhort you. He's going to make intercession for you in the heavenly realm for our God in heaven. God has not left you because he sent a comforter for you that when life's trials may be tempting and you experience the fire of God, and the fiery trial of life. It's not about what's on the outside, it's about what's on the inside because greater is he on the inside of us than he is on the inside of the world. And I have to say that man, God has given you a spirit and we are different as Christians. We can walk through fiery trials and say I'm walking through this because God is sustaining me on the inside. We can walk through challenges and it may be boiling hot all around us, but God won't allow the fire to consume our faith. Let the fire of God consume you from the inside out that when you find yourself going through life's trials or the pits of life, you'll say, it's not burning me up on the outside because I have to something burning on the inside of me. And that what's burning on the inside of me is a consuming fire of God. How many of you would say we're built different? I'm built different. It's about what's on the inside. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about everything that I can have on the inside. 
yeah, I lost my job, but it's not about that. It's what's on the inside. Yeah, I got an illness, but it's not what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. Yeah, my faith has been challenged. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. And the little faith that I still have, Jesus said, if we have a mustard seed of faith, we can move mountains. And I thank God for that type of faith that he would send us the spirit to comfort us, to be with us, to walk with us, to never leave us nor forsake us where we can stand and say, God, thank you that you've never left me. God, thank you for your spirit that indwells me. God, thank you for walking with me through a rough patch. God, thank you. I can count it all joy when I fall into various trials because I know that that faith is going to produce something in me, which that is going to produce fruit. And that fruit will remain. And the thing I love about it is that people get a chance to watch God work. And they'll say, they'll say, it's something on the inside of you. It's something different. It's something that is sustaining you. That's why I like being a Christian. Man, after last service, this little guy walks up to me. Seven years old. He wrote down the things that he was grateful for on this envelope. Says, man, I'm grateful for fun. I'm grateful for my parents. He spelled it P-A-R-I-N-T-S, but we know. I'm grateful for the house, for the car, for my heart, for being strong, for my feet, for my hands. I could walk and run in class a brother and family. If a kid gets it, how much more should we? Some of you in here today say, Terrence, like, I, I don't have a thing that sustains me, but I want it. And let me tell you, Jesus is the anchor of your soul. He's what will sustain and keep you grounded with the joy that's burning from the inside out. And I want to offer Jesus to you. I don't know where you are in your life, but you would probably say, Terrence, I was like those balloons that were filled and I was empty though. Let me tell you, man, Jesus is the living water. (laughs) Where his water never runs out. But then there are those who are followers of Christ. I would probably say, I've been running this race, but I haven't been grateful. Been running this race, but I haven't even taken time out my busy schedule to jot down the things that I could actually be grateful for, God. Not the big things, but seeing you in the details. I want to pray for those who may want to receive Jesus this morning. And then I want to pray for those of you to just be filled and comforted by the Holy Spirit where the strength of God will give you the gratitude to continue this journey. Let's pray. God, I want to pray for those who are in here and saying, I want Jesus to come into my life.
And if that's you, just repeat after me. Jesus, today, I don't want anything but you. I don't want my hardships. I don't want my wrong decisions. I don't want the distractions. I want you. Feel me with your spirit, because I believe that you're the son of God that came to this earth to die for my sins. It's resurrected so I could be in right standing with God. If you've just done that, and I just want to encourage you that you made the best decision for your life. And then I want to pray for those who have been following you for a while. I pray that you would restore the joy of salvation. That you would highlight things that we overlook every day. Fill us with that joy that the world can, can give us. Fill those followers today, God where they look at you with a pure heart and say, I am thankful. I am thankful. I am grateful. I am thankful. I am thankful. I'm thankful. Encourage us today, God, and move by your spirit. In Christ's name, amen.